This is the Jambase Podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. This episode features my interview with Arlo McKinley. We chatted recently about his terrific new album, This Mess We're In, which is out now on Oh Boy Records. We'll get to that interview in just a moment. First, I want to remind you that Jambase is hosting a pair of events at Soundcheck Studios in Pembroke, Massachusetts this year. Jambase and Boston's own Neighbor will present Into the Sun on September 9th through September 11th. Neighbor will perform in three unique configurations with special guests, including a performance Friday, September 9th by the nine-piece Neighbor 9. Also on the bill for all three nights is Jennifer Hartswick, who will appear with her full band as a duo with Nick Casarino and as an artist at large on the final day. Into the Sun will also include performances by The Nth Power, Club Delph, Natalie Cressman and Ian Facchini, and Duochrome. Get your tickets today and we'll see you at Soundcheck Studios in September. And in October, Team Jambase will host As Summer and Autumn Slips, another three-day music event at Soundcheck Studios. Scheduled for October 7th through October 9th, the spirit of As Summer and Autumn Slips is to foster collaboration among like-minded ensembles in the form of three nights of original music. Appearing all three nights will be Brad Barr, Andrew Barr, and Mark Friedman of The Slip. Friday, October 7th, the trio will be joined by Nathan Moore and Marco Benevento to assemble Surprise Me, Mr. Davis. Saturday and Sunday's performances of The Slip will be headlining sets. Marco Benevento will also play a set with his classic trio featuring Reed Mathis on bass and Andrew Barr on drums. Also on the lineup are Brooklyn-based trio Wolf featuring Scott Metzger and Boston-based collective Club Delph. Guitarist William Tyler will perform all three nights as well. Capacity for both Into the Sun and As Summer and Autumn Slips is limited. Go to Jambase for ticket information and other details. You can also visit Jambase's Fish the Skinny Hub shortly after each and every Fish show for a recap that includes the set list and our bite-sized statistical breakdown of what was played that we like to call the skinny. The summer leg of the band's current tour is underway, coming off two shows in Philly at The Man. A few members of Team Jambase were able to go see live music and catch the shows at The Man together. I'm looking forward for my chance to see the band at Alpine Valley next month. Some of the highlights so far this tour include a 30-minute Down With Disease Fish played last Sunday in Bangor, Maine, and the Tweezer Fest second set that happened on the first night of the man. Next up is a two-nighter at the Bethel Woods Center for the Arts in Bethel, New York, near the site of the 1969 Woodstock Festival. Check out Jambase's Fish the Skinny Hub to see what goes down this weekend and for the rest of the tour. Now let's get to my interview with Arlo McKinley. We spoke recently over a video call. It started with Arlo calling in from the front seat of his tour van while out picking up supplies for tour. The signal turned a little wonky, so about 10 minutes or so into the chat, we took a quick break, and he headed home to call back with the assistance of a strong Wi-Fi signal. We talked a lot about Arlo's new album, This Mess We're In, which is his second album on the Oh Boy Records label, following 2020's Die Midwestern. Oh Boy Records was co-founded by the late John Prine. Arlo talked to me about the times he got to meet John, and what it means to be part of the roster of such an important independent record label. We also talked about his relationship with Jody Whelan, Prine's son, who now runs Oh Boy. I asked Arlo a lot of questions about his songwriting, and we went deep into his process. He told me about writing about real-life experiences and how they help him to work through some of the heavy emotions that can be attached. Like he did on Die Midwestern, Arlo worked with producer Matt Ross Spang on This Mess We're In. He told me about working with Matt, who has a truly impressive resume, and what it was like recording at Sam Phillips' historic studio in Memphis. We talked about working with the same musicians that appeared on Die Midwestern, each with their own impressive resumes. And that includes drummer Ken Coomer, guitarist Will Sexton, and keyboardist Rick Steff. We also discussed the mysteriousness of what it means to be Midwestern, tattoos, singing the national anthem for the Cincinnati Reds, and much more. Arlo was super fun to talk to. Definitely check out his new album, This Mess We're In, wherever you get your music. So let's listen to a bit of the single Stealing Dark from the Night Sky to take us into my interview with Arlo McKinley. Showed you where my heart would be so when it came time again for me to leave You'd be carrying a part of me Let's try to get through the breakdown Find a way out of this town Rent a lake of fire will surely drown But that's alright if you're with me And that's why we're Yeah. 
right, so I'm Andy, and I'm here with Arlo McKinley. He's speaking to me from his tour van. We're going to talk <laughs> about his upcoming new album, This Mess We're In. It comes out on Oh Boy Records on July 15th. It's a fantastic album, man. I, I'm really Thank impressed you. by it. It's a, it's a nice um, follow-up to your last album, which I know put you on a lot of people's radars, brought you onto my radar for sure. Um, it's interesting. Reading the press materials for this new album, uh, this mess we're in, you definitely me it mentions some tragic life events that help inform some of the some of the content on the album, and then you go to listen to the album, and, and it doesn't sound like it's not a sad record. It doesn't. It's not. You know. It's not turn off the lights and light a candle and, and nestle up <laughs> with the album at all. And I'm curious, like, do you do you see that contrast in your music, and does that come naturally for you? Um, I, I think so. I think Diamond Weston was maybe more of that kind of record. Um, okay. I'm, I was in a, uh, in a, in a, in a weird spot when that album came out. And even though I was in a weird spot when this one was being written, I tried to just, I don't even know if I tried. I think it just kind of naturally sort of comes out that way. Like, um, I was talking about this earlier, like the subjects that I touch on aren't always the, you know, the, uh, brightest subjects and this and that, but I always try to like, I think approach it in a, in a hopeful kind of way of, especially with this album, um, just trying to not let those situations define who you are. And, uh, and pretty much I'm just kind of telling my stories and I've gotten through these things. So, you know, somewhere I found a way to get out of these things. So I don't know. I don't know. It just kind of comes naturally how I write. Cause I know people always like, like will joke around with me, but I think there's some truth in it. People are always talking about like how depressing <laughs> my, my songs and whatever can be, but I'm not that depressed of a guy. Like, you know, I have my days like any, anyone else, but um, you know, overall, I think I just try to, I, I, I find them to be hopeful songs, especially on this album. I, um, yeah. But yeah, I think it just comes naturally. I think that's just the way that I write. Uh, I don't think I really put too much thought into it when I'm writing. Once the song's written, I kind of let it be. I never go back and try to, you know, fix things up or anything like that. But um, yeah, I'm just telling my stories. I think that's about it. It's interesting to me. It kind of matches, honestly, your your exterior, the way that you look. When I first saw like your press photos and before I heard your last record, it's like, is this guy going to sound like Lemmy? And then you sound like Jason Molina. And then I found out that you're from Ohio too. And it's like yep. this crazy, like, uh, you know, yeah. I, it, 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 it matches, you know, it's, it's this yeah. dichotomy that kind of is a through line in, in your whole sort of aesthetic really. And I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a Jason Molina compliment any day. That guy was one of my, uh, still, still is. I still listen to this stuff constantly, but, uh, one of the best songwriters I've ever heard. But so I'm completely inspired by this stuff. And I think he did the same kind of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he was yeah. very open about his life, but yeah. And like, I come from, like I grew up on like metal and punk stuff and all that. And I'm still very much into that stuff. This just for some reason happened to be the music that I was able to write that I was, uh, comfortable writing and, and singing. But yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of thrown off <laughs> by that yeah. when they hear what I do. Like if they meet me, I don't think they expect to hear what, what comes out of, of right. this. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it reminds me too of like that scene in High Fidelity when Jack Black walks in and he's got his Monday morning mixtape. And it's like, he doesn't want to hear sad bastard music. And right. your music is, you, there's nothing sad. Your music isn't sad bastard, but it could be. Yeah. It could very easily be given the subject matter that you're dealing with. Yeah. I think some people look at it that way. I think some people listen to it for that and want the sadness of it to maybe go on some kind of emotional roller coaster for about 40 minutes or something of an album but i think a lot of people who like really listen to it are kind of like what you're saying i think you know some of the subject matter is you know maybe sad or is maybe on the you know the uh the sadder side of life stuff but i'm i don't think i ever leave a song where i'm feeling where i want you to think i'm feeling hopeless or anything like that i think i'm just mm -hmm. yeah i'm just kind of telling this story about the situation I went through and how I, how I get through it. You know, I, I think my songs are kind of hopeful. <laughs> Some people laugh when I say that stuff, but that's what I find out. But I yeah, find, 
I found a lot of the of what you wrote in this album, particularly, to be about acceptance and resilience. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, and, and there's hopefulness in that. Yeah, uh, and I, I say often, I think Diamond Western was an album where I was kind of trying to figure out where I was going, what I was doing, stuff like that. I think I kind of figured that out, and now it's kind of navigating through that life and just trying to find a. Uh, trying to find a balance with it all and just, you know, accepting the things that I can't change and working on the things that I can. And, um, yeah. And stuff like that. It's just, it's just kind of my reflection of, uh, or my, that's pretty much just my last two years really, or last. Yeah. My, my story of the last two years. And it is your story. These songs are biographical. Oh yeah. For the most yeah, part. I, yeah. Yep, I can tell you, uh, I can tell you what every song is either. I can tell you the actual story it's about or the story it was based on. But yeah, I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not one of, I, I can't just sit down and make up a story. I love songwriters who can, that you can just make up a good story of fictional people, but I always sing about myself. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not, not the best at like talking things out. So I, um, I have this weird thing in my mind that if I write a song, hoping that someone hears it and they'll know it's about them. If I'm saying sorry, or if I'm saying I love you or if anything like that, I'm like I've got it in my head that it works for me. So maybe they're going to get it as well, but which isn't the case always, but you know, yeah, I, I, that's the only way that I know how to write. That's how I've always written is just singing about myself. I don't know. Am I, I don't know. I've, I've seen some things. So, so I think they're worth, worth, uh, worth singing about. It's it's got to be challenging at times though to to find that vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it it, it is it was uh, for sure. Because um, when I started writing, like I didn't really start writing until maybe my late twenties, early thirties, or something like that. Like really getting into trying to write, and I almost thought it was in a way a generic way of writing because I'm not like using all these metaphors or anything like that, and I'm not coming up with stories. And I'm like, are people going to really relate to this or get this? And to my surprise, it's that has been one of the things that people really do like about it. So uh, I guess I was wrong on that one, but it, it is, it's kind of, I mean, I, I put every, I mean, I don't shy away from really anything that goes on. I just feel that if I'm going to be a singer who says that they sing about themselves and all that, then I mean, I want, I don't know, I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't, if I wasn't honest about it and I'd be doing my fans and listeners a disservice if I tried to paint a picture that wasn't, wasn't true. It sounds like you use the songs themselves then to work through some of the things that are going on in your life. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's it. Anytime that's when songs come up. Like I'm, I'm also not, a person who can just say, I'm going to take an hour out of the day and sit down and write a song. Like that's never worked for me ever. Like I have to, I write songs when I go through a situation, uh, depending on regardless of what it is, if it's, it's a bad situation. I'm sitting and thinking about it. I'm going to write a song about it. Um, if, if I, you know, screwed up and went and did some things, I wish I didn't. I'm going to sit and write a song about it. That's just how it's, that's just how it's always worked for me. City lights, they are blinding Makes it harder to find me And all those places I shouldn't be It's where they still find me I have given you so many things That you have wanted and I no longer need can't let you get a hold of these dreams Those still belong to me So these songs that you write that are from your personal experiences, they must be somewhat cathartic for you to write. But at the same time, I'm wondering if when you play them or when you revisit them, if it's ever difficult to re-experience those emotions or if you ever kind of want to avoid doing that. Um. I don't ever like really want to avoid doing it. Uh, it can definitely, you know, open some old wounds, I guess, you know, as they say, but um, it's, 
it just, it's become, it's just kind of become what I, what I do and how I do it. So, um, I just, you know, it's, uh, it is more though of a healing kind of process for me to do it. So I could kind of overall, it's a positive thing. There's definitely times depending on like what's going on, you know, with it, but, um, and it's also weird. Like after the song is like written and recorded, not that I'm like finished with that situation, you know, that situation is always going to be there. It happened in my life. Mm -hmm. But after that, that's when it kind of becomes a song that I share with the world. And then it kind of starts taking on its own, its own life and becomes different things. Like I, I look a lot of people get different things, you know, out of, out of my songs. I love hearing what some people think of some of these songs because it'll be so different from what I was thinking about when I was writing. Yeah. So at that point, once I've shared it with everyone, then I kind of try to close the, the, the door on the, uh, on the, on the situation. That's kind of when it comes full circle and kind of becomes, it sort of takes on a different life at that point. It kind of reminds me of that, uh, of like forms of therapy that re involve repetition for desensitization, you know, like yeah. you, you, you examine, you, you take your, your fears and, and examine them head on and, and go through the emotions and experience them. And then you, you've actually processed them. And it kind of sounds like that's what you're doing with these songs. Yeah. And that's what it is. Like, I think, like if there is a point where it's like kind of hard to revisit them, it's probably when I'm recording um, because that's, yeah. the, you know, they're, they're still, it's still just mine at that point. Uh -huh, and, um, uh -huh. and then, but after, you know, after that, you know, it's kind of, you know, and of course that brings up thoughts, but you know, it doesn't, it gets a little easier, I think, but uh, it's strange how I do that. I don't know why I do it. I don't know why to do it. It's almost putting, uh, it's almost, I don't know. It's almost putting myself through unneeded, uh, unneeded pain or something is reliving it, but it's really just me figuring it out and getting through it. So it's never been a, yeah, I don't know. It's just become, it's become normal now. Yeah. It's not quite masochistic, but it, it's border. <laughs> it, yeah, it's close. <laughs> right. It's close. So when did you write the songs that ended up on this mess we're in? Uh, the majority of them came shortly after, um, shortly after diamond western came like i'm i'm kind of not always writing but i mean ideas are always coming to me but there was a time where we like early on during the pandemic when it was like the crazy uh lockdown and all that uh, i was writing pretty regularly and not even really thinking that i was writing a new record until i think i wrote stealing dark for the night sky first which was you know that was also just me reflecting on these, the long nights that I was during a pandemic that I'm spending alone. And I'm like, what am I doing? This is just nuts. I'm doing these things <laughs> and whatever. So I get through that. And, you know, I just wanted to write that song and then other ones were coming. And then uh, around, around the time I wrote rush in the rug is when I realized that I was making a new record, but a lot of them, the majority of them were written. Uh, let's see from probably April of 2020 up until June of 2022. Like I wrote to die for a week before I went into the studio and, um, oh, wow. and actually, and then finished uh, city lights in the studio. I had like a verse and a chorus for that, but finished that and finished. Uh, I don't mind in the studio as well. Cause I'll do that a lot of times also. Like I'll, I'll write a verse, a chorus or something, and then I'll get kind of stuck. But if it's a song that I think is kind of worth revisiting, I'll keep it. If not, I'll throw it out. And those were two that uh, I thought were worth keeping. So I just put those in the studio and on some downtime where Matt was recording some other stuff uh, or, you know, setting the mics or whatever. I just sat in the corner and kind of finished the lyrics for him. And that's Matt Ross Bang, the, the yeah, producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man. He's the great. Man. Yeah, he's incredible. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to talk about him, but I wanted to ask you about your your writing process. It's You mentioned before that you're not necessarily like a disciplined sit down for an hour and write out a song, but it does sound like these songs came out or came together all, at, at a certain period of time. Is that, is that accurate? Is that something that does happen? Like, do, do, does the muse visit, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, I seem to write songs in little blocks, like 
Uh I'll go, I mean, two months could go by where I'll write six songs and um, then I won't write for like five months or Uh something or the opposite or, you know, it's, it's strange. I mean, I don't, I never force writing a, 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 a song like there's stuff that I'm working on now that I've had the melodies for forever, but I can't come up with. So I don't ever force it. I just put it down and it'll come to me when it comes to me. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's how it happens. Uh, they definitely seem to come in like blocks of, of time. I, I, I've said before that I think each record is usually a, a, a point of time, uh, you know, a few month period. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the next one will be what after, so um yeah it's, it's it's weird i don't know i i don't understand how it happens i don't even know how i ended up writing songs to be honest with you but um i mean if you if you could if you could right if you could crack that code yeah right you know, and I don't, like, yeah. yeah and i i don't think anyone that writes songs can and that's the that's the thing i wish i could sit down and just write but it, I, I can't you know it's usually a like i said it's usually a little it's a little time period or um you know, something and I'll just look back on it. Right. Or um, it's just crazy how it works. Like for diamond Western, I remember writing like two songs in a day and then three songs a day and stuff like that. And then I don't write for almost a year or something. It's just, it's strange. And then I also have a, the back catalog of songs that I've got over time. It's pretty, pretty ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Did any of those make it onto this new record? Yeah, uh, I went back after because um, the way that it worked, the way that like I'll do it with Matt is I'll send him, you know, all the songs that I know that I want on the record, and then um, and then I'll kind of go back and look at like old songs that I've written and see if any kind of fit the vibe or the feel of the album. And on this one, it was uh, back home. Back home, I think the first song I wrote when I started doing the. The, uh, the Lonesome Sound record, which that song could have been on there. Uh, that passes by with the first two songs I wrote for that project, you know, and it just never made its way onto anything. So uh, Back Home was and Dancing Days and uh, and then Where You Want Me is, is, is an older one as well. So those are the three that I kind of went back that kind of fit the album to me. Back home is the one that I had circled that I wanted to ask when you had written it because you mentioned your mother in it and I, I know she passed away and I, I I'm sorry for that for your loss. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. I, um, but but and I was wondering, you know, at, when did when did you write that? Was that before or after that happened? That was before. I wrote that song and I wrote that song probably in like 2010, 2011. Wow. That one's wow. been around for that. That's the oldest song on the uh, on the album, and um, I think. And I think that's kind of why it's fit is because, you know, I do reference, you know, my mother in it and, um, and a lot of the thing, you know, that, that, that's a thread that runs throughout the album, I think. Um, so it just kind of fit. And it's a song that, um, I like, I I don't know if I liked it. We started playing it recently again. And, um, so yeah, it just seemed like it fit pretty well in there. Symphony never seems to be in key. I've tasted every scene, spit them out, and I try to get. album was called die miss western die midwestern and i'm from the midwest i i I grew up in illinois i live in minneapolis now there you go i i i feel like i have a midwest sensibility but i'm not necessarily sure that i can define that how do you think you define yourself as a midwestern musician like what does that mean to you um that's another thing like i i don't i don't really know i don't don't know i've been yeah it's just a 
There's just I mean, it's kind feeling. of unfair for me to ask that because I know how hard it is. Like, I don't know right. that I would I, have an answer. Th- you that's know? the thing. It's just it's, it's like just you see it of, and you know it. Yeah, right. When you see it, you know it. And if you're from like we're, we're Illinois, Ohio, it, that this whole area, it's it, there's just a feeling here that you almost just feel almost out of place in a way. But it, it's so. It, but I love it here that's why i've never moved from cincinnati or never moved from this area and i, I just think it's a way of i don't know just the way that i was raised and and, and all that just uh because a lot of people you know it's the midwest is strange because it's full of people that are from the south pretty much like a lot of my whole family moved to cincinnati just to work at like gm factories and stuff up here and then yeah. those closed down then they all stayed so it if it wasn't for those GM factories, I would have been born in somewhere in Kentucky or Tennessee. But it's, mm-hmm. and but then you have then you have a mixture of the city, and it's just a strange, it's a strange thing. Um, but it's it's a thing for sure that no matter where I end up, I mean, I'm always going to be a Midwest guy, and it's just, yeah. it's it is a strange thing to. It's hard to shake. It is. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. super hard to shake. I don't think it's shakeable. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it just stays. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you just mentioned the city. That was one of the things, too, that I noticed was a common theme that appears throughout the record. And and I'm interested, like, how much of it is a metaphor for you and how much of it is a specific place that you're kind of thinking of or drawing on? Uh, mostly it's a specific place. It's, you know, it, it, it could be any main street in any city or, you know, any bar strip or stuff like that. Just, you know, where where a lot more drinking is going on, you know, where all the trouble is, you know, and, yeah, and that, yeah. that's, that's, so it can be that anywhere, but, you know, here it's a specific, you know, uh, the, the city is, I'm being specific about the city and, 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 what, and the things what, that happen there and the things that happen there. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and I easily, easily get caught up in it, you know, and it's just, uh, I don't know. It ends up being not so, uh, not so great after a while, you know, and, uh, just, and just that bar life in general and that stuff, you know, the friendships and all that are just so, just so empty. It seems when it, 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 uh, when it comes down to it, you know, when everyone's having a good time and all that, it's good, but you know, it's like that old song, nobody knows you when you're down and out, you know, those people, yeah, it's hard to maintain. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to maintain it. You know, a lot of those people aren't really, uh, around when, you know, when it all starts falling apart. So, yeah. And so uh, along the way, at what part of the process did you come up with the title track and when did it become the title track? I had the, I had that in my mind early, uh, before I even went and recorded the album. Um, I, uh, I wrote the song, this mess we're in. Um, I was, probably one of the besides the ones i finished in the studio that's probably the last song that i wrote for the record and um it uh it was just strange because i was kind of writing that song just about you know maintaining relationships and friendships and how it's just not all that easy like close relationships and how they can be messy and all that and um was thinking about this mess we're in and it just kind of fit with so much more than that and uh yeah like I think people, you know, see it now and they're thinking probably about the mess that we're in as a collective <laughs> world, which that it, it so it, it just and in which it is, it it's it just fit in a lot of in a lot of ways. So um yeah, I knew pretty early on that I was gonna call it this mess we're in. And uh and then everyone kind of seemed to think it was a good idea. So I moved on with it. And did I see you have it tattooed on your arm too? Yeah, uh, yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, one of your many tattoos. Um, You're right. Yeah. When uh, when did you get that? I got that. Um, uh, let's see. That would have been um, man, uh, January of twenty one, maybe. Oh, okay. Wow. Or, or maybe even before that. No, um, that's that, good. that's almost like getting you know like a. The 
Boston Celtics championship tattoo. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. If this, nope. yeah. If, if, if everyone hates this record, then that's a cover up for <laughs> no, sure. No, but I mean, I'm, I meant more like if it doesn't ever come no. out or whatever, you know, I mean, like, right, it, no. it's not that. Lee, you, you're, you're in good shape. You got a week to go now, man. I think yeah, you're in no, safe right, shape right. with that. Like, you'll be, but, yeah. you'll, you'll be able to show off the tattoo and the record at the same time. Yeah. And, 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 and that's a success. And, and, and that's the thing that the tattoo and the, it's because there's some other meanings there as well but yeah that's the thing i had that way before um so that's why i'm thinking it's longer because i had that way before uh i even thought about it being an album title and um when i was thinking of album and actually i just thought that it kind of fit the uh the song and um wasn't even really thinking of it being an album album title then but then shortly after i was like you know that's kind of that's kind of kind of Kind of good. It carries, I think. it carries the day, yeah. Yeah, it sums it all up. Yeah. Do you have any other tattoos that are related to your work? Um, no, uh, no. I've got the old boy guy, but that's not really my work. Um, that's pretty. Yeah, but that's pretty. I, that's a sick tattoo, yeah. man. I like that I've one. Got Tyler, that's cool. I've got Tyler Childers lyrics on me. I had the show oh, yeah. love Tyler. You know, boys that's be cool. good. Boys be good. Written on my hands and uh, nice. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's it when it comes to when it comes to my stuff, John Moreland stuff. I have other people's stuff on me, so yeah. But nice. so I had to I had to put my name I had to put my own stuff amongst the uh, amongst the greats that I have <laughs> that I have there on me. Go. This is the only thing I'm needing. Open eyes to see your smile. my heart and stop the bleeding No, and I can't erase the mile I will follow where this goes And in this mess we'll rest and find ourselves a hope So speaking of the greats, we, we mentioned Matt Ross Bang before. Um, yeah. He's worked on a lot of my favorite recent albums with yeah. Jason Isbell and Margot Price and John Prine and Drive By Truckers, Drive By Truckers. Just yeah. Then it's, the list is almost endless. I, I'm I'm curious though. I don't know that I've ever really talked to anybody about Matt. What, what's he like just as a person? Is he what's he, what's his hang like? He's amazing, man. He is um, the most uh, just down to earth dude that is like oh sorry about that um all right he is uh he's just it's all about the music with him he i mean he knows more about music especially memphis music i mean he's he is i mean he's a memphis historian when it comes to music stuff like i mean he can he can just talk about about that stuff forever and i just i've came across so much cool like music that I would have never known about if it wasn't for him talking about it. But he's just on Diamond Western, like I'll admit, I'll say this, I've said this story many times. Like first time working with a producer, I'm like, oh shit, and I'm gonna go and uh I'm gonna run into a producer who's gonna want to change all my stuff and yeah. And that you know, I didn't know much all I knew was that he had engineered a lot of the albums that I was listening to at the time. And um and I just wanted to pick someone that you know, that I really didn't, you know, know a whole lot about. And so I'm going down there, I'm worried. And I'm like, this guy's just gonna, you know, be whatever, but not basing it off anything with him, just, you know, my, yeah, just my own thoughts. But then, I mean, as soon as I met him, it was just the complete opposite. I mean, he just, all he wants to do is bring the best out of each artist that he works with. And he's got a good way of doing that. And, um, explain that to me like what is that good way of doing that what makes him special what is that talent that he has letting uh, letting you do what you do and really not trying to change a whole lot about it and if he has an idea not pushing the idea on you or Mm -hmm. you know just kind of just being 
just being human about it really like not being i'm the producer i know i've i've got a grammy i know better and nothing like mm-hmm. that like there's no ego in that guy whatsoever so i think you you start to trust people like that and um i started to trust him uh, very quickly and uh, i knew that he you know he says you know he doesn't want to change anything about my songs and and that in which diamond western we had more of like a blueprint to work with because I had recorded pretty much all of those songs with my band here that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. But on this one, it was cool because I had just sent him acoustic versions of me playing these songs and I got to watch these songs kind of come alive. And he was such a big part. He was a big part of both albums for sure. But this album could easily have his name on it because, you know, we mm-hmm. really did. Yeah, we created this one together for sure. And um. I don't think I would do that with anyone else. Um, wow. Cause I, I already feel like I'm vulnerable enough with what I'm writing and giving it to the world. So now letting someone else in on the process before I give it to the world was something I never really thought I'd do. But with him, I completely trust his, his judgment. And he's, he'll just, he'll just be into like trying weird things, like having me stand all the way in the back of the studio and yell out, some harmonies as loud as I can as far from the microphone, just like just weird uh-huh. stuff that works that always works. And he just, his ears. Is there, is is, there a lot of that? Like, do, do, is he quirky or I don't know what the right word, but yeah. is there a lot of that sort of, you know, unique approach to things? Well, not, not so much. There's uh-huh. there, I mean, little things like that, but he really, when it's needed, when it's needed, yeah, or yeah. I mean, if something could fit somewhere, but more than anything that I find with him is he tries not to change much about it. I think he's a less is more, at least with me. I think mm-hmm. he's a less is more approach, and um, we record live in the studio, so we're not doing like track by track. Um, and you know, he plays. He's in the studio with us playing guitar. And, uh, it it sounds guitar. live. It sounds like you guys are all making it happen at the same time. Yeah. There's, that's, there's that's that the living, sound. breathing aspect to your songs. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's so good about, or that's what I enjoy. That's the way I liked recording before, even here in Cincinnati, in smaller studios and stuff like that. That's how I always like to do it. I, th- I think that, I just think some things can get lost along the way. If you're doing it track by track, there's not the uh, human energy to it. Mm-hmm. Um but he, and he just makes it fun. I mean, he just makes it a, a fun time to play music. Like when you're in a room with, you know, Rick, Steph, Ken Coomer, uh, Jesse Munson, all the people, all the band, the studio band that he gets together and him and they're playing. And when, you know, whenever I'm not like a, what's going on, I'm in Sam Phillips, whenever I'm not in that mode and I'm just looking mm-hmm. around and seeing everyone having fun and um, with it, it's just, it's a, it's a good feeling. He just wants to make a, he wants each, he really just kind of follows from what I understand in my experience, he just kind of follows what I want to do and then throws his, you know, his, uh, his ideas out there and his ideas usually always work. I mean, he's, he's amazing to work with. It sounds like he knows how to bring out the best in you and also enhance where he feels like he can do it himself. Yeah. And, and a lot of another thing that he really did, I mean, brought put a confidence in me that what i was doing was was good and i mean that can come from even not recording that can come from us just sitting and talking and just things that he says he's just a uh yeah he's a human being with no ego i mean he could easily be like i'm a grammy winner i've worked on this and that like i mean he could flex if he wanted to and be the cool guy but he does he doesn't Mm -hmm. at all and he just uh yeah, I mean, when you're in there, you you are what's important. Your record is what's important, and that's I don't know. That's uh, just something that I've never really had experienced. Is just a you know a stranger that's working on this album that took it very uh, very seriously and just wanted it to be the best that it could be. And uh, now we're good friends. So uh, yeah, it's uh, a good friend to have. Yeah, yeah, he's an awesome <laughs> friend to have. Yeah, it's good. There's, there's not a better person to know if you're going down to Memphis, that's for sure. Well, and you mentioned Matt runs the Sam Phillips Recording Service, the amazing historic recording facility there in Memphis. Um, are there ghosts in those machines? There's, there's something, man. There's something there for sure. Um, it, uh, he, uh, 
I mean, you, there's something as soon as you walk in there that um, you just, I don't know, you know that you're in a place that is uh, where some things have happened. And, you know, he was definitely telling us some good, some good Jerry Lee stories and, uh, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And the, and what it's crazy because they still have a lot of this old stuff from back then. There's a room where there's like just old vinyl and like handwritten lyrics by like some of those people and i mean it's just there's a feel to it and and on the top the top floor it was you know sam phillips office they haven't changed that floor at all like it's still oh, wow. exactly time how it capsule. was 100 it is yeah, wow. yeah. So that's and, uh, gotta infiltrate the mood right it, it definitely does like you're there you're there and you start taking it you know i take it serious all the time but you're there you start taking it very seriously because you don't yeah. want to walk out of sam phillips with a record that the world's going to hate on, you know, that it's, you know, it's, there's a responsibility in itself, I think being in there. And uh, he, he, he just opened up his own studio though, as well at this place in Crosstown, uh, this Crosstown arts place down there, which is amazing that I'm excited oh, cool. to get him. But that dude, yeah, that dude knows, knows what he's doing, man. And, and you mentioned some of the other players, drummer, Ken Coomer, keyboardist, Rick staff, fiddler, Jesse Munson, I think we had a, we need to add guitarist Will Sexton, but those are some serious players, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, and when they, I, you guys worked on the last album together, so you've I assume yeah, have some familiarity now, right? Yeah, and that's what was better. I mean, not not better, but that's why this experience was it was just different, you know. Uh, Diamond Yeah, it was the first time going down there with Diamond Western, and um, and it wasn't rushed or anything, but we just spent I think maybe seven days on it or something like that, and. Um, we were all kind of, I knew Rick Steph beforehand. So that was kind of a familiar face, but, um, it was this one, you know, we spent, I think 14, 15 days on it. I stayed down in Memphis the entire time. So every day we were just in the studio doing stuff. We all knew each other a, a little better. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that, yeah, this time everyone, you know, I think everyone was probably comfortable on diamond Western, maybe besides me, you know, I was still taking it in. I was doing it on this album though too. Like, I mean, if anyone is amazed by what is going on with me, no one's more amazed by it than me, myself. I mean, <laughs> these situations are just, you know, I'm so thankful to be able to go to these places and do it. But this time, yeah, there was a, we were all familiar with each other. This time it was just like we'd been a a band since Diamond Western and we were just seeing each other again for the first time since. And we just got right back into it. So, uh, yeah, do you think there's- with that. Do you think there's a little bit more Memphis in this record too? Like yes. you, you said you were there longer, but like, you know what yeah. I mean by that? I, I I think so for sure. I think especially in songs like, uh, like I think here's the dying has a uh, very like gospel kind of yes. church feel to it. Yeah. I think that the, the, uh, I, to die for too, I think. Yeah. A to bit. die for Yeah. Yep. To die for I think we got a little more, I don't even know if I'd say adventurous with it, but we tried things that you know we didn't try on diamond western we just kind of went for it and just let the songs become what they were and then that goes back to what i was saying like the you know that I, i'm pretty sure that the band the studio band had never heard even these demos so i'm watching these guys here oh, no kidding yeah i'm watching everyone hear the songs for the first time and then we go into the studio and start playing them and figuring them out together and that's what that's why this one was a uh it was just different. It was special. And I do think this is a, uh, this is a Memphis record for sure. So is that how it worked? Like you guys sat in the control room and listened to the demo and then all went in the, and picked yeah. up your instruments and cut it live. Yeah. He would pick a song off the list cause he had them all on his phone and uh, he, uh, he would just be like, all right, let's do, he's like, I'm thinking this one, you know, he'd yeah. be like, I'm thinking to die for. So he'd play it for everyone and they'd listen and then we would go in and just work it out. And, uh, work on that song for a while, just playing it together, you know, a few times and then, and then, uh, give it some real takes. And then, uh, we usually did, you know, each song a few times on, uh, recorded each song a few times and then, then kind of moved on to the next and just not spending too much time on one song and just not trying to get more out of it than what's there. And I'm, I, I'm guessing that with that caliber of players, when you get in that situation, it's like, do your thing. It's it's nuts. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's crazy to see. Like I mean, I've never 
yeah, I've never seen anything like it, how those players are and just how, like the, this time I was set up over by Rick Steph and just watching him play and just figure out things. Was just, I mean, not, I mean, not that my songs are complicated or anything, they're pretty simple, but I mean, to hear something you've never heard and then have it down within 10 minutes and you're now you're making it your own and doing your own stuff to it. It, it was a cool thing to watch. So like, that's why this record was just, it was fun to make. It was fun to watch these guys do it and everything. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a cool little thing. It, it, it comes through. It comes through on the songs, yeah. definitely. We knew that we were going to fight. A fight we knew that we wouldn't win. To stay with those who believe by my side, by their side. Was worth our death in the end. From now until the end of time. This is also your second album for Oh Boy Records. We mentioned it a minute ago with your tattoo. It's it's uh, obviously well known for being John Prine's, the late great John Prine's uh, record label. But I'm curious, how did you meet Jody, Jolie Whelan, that that runs Oh Boy? Where did that relationship um, start? I, I believe to um, to our manager, I think, is where he okay. probably heard me, Ian, um, Ian Thornton, who runs Whizbang, um, who mm-hmm. manages Tyler. Yeah. And uh, so... It was, I think, through there um, is probably where I got on the radar of Jody, okay. and that he uh, invited me down to play a John Prine pop-up bar at Americana Fest. I think either 2018, I think maybe 2018, and it was called the Tree of Forgiveness, and uh, mm-hmm. just a little pop-up bar down there. And that's the night I actually met him, and then um, after that, he would just he would come out to shows and was stuff he playing Handsome Johnny's? What, what's that was he pouring oh, handsome johnny's not I, i'm sure they were that night yeah. um, i know for a fact they were at other events yeah. <laughs> for sure yeah. but now that's become one of my one of my favorite drinks so um yeah. but yeah he, he started coming to shows and i i never even really thought about that it would end up being what it is is what the crazy thing is i just thought that i met a new friend met a new guy you know to know when i go down to nashville but um I guess after a few shows, you know, he had an interest and I guess that's when he took it to John and John, I guess, liked what he had heard. And then John came out to a show and I guess that was maybe the final audition, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily it worked out um, <laughs> because yeah, I met John on my way up to the, uh, up to the stage to play. So there was no pressure that night. <laughs> yeah, I've heard you tell that story. That's uh, I can't imagine, man. Like, yeah. hey, here's so, your hero. Now go, now go impress yeah, him. Now, now go play, <laughs> right? Yeah it, was, yeah, it was something. But yeah, Jody's a. And then you know, I, I I always try to say like I didn't know John well. I met him that time. I played yeah. with him one other time. But Jody's really uh, and he's done so much for me, man. He's such a great guy. And, uh, well, and he's done yeah. so much for the legacy and the the yeah. record label. I mean, it, he's a very important person for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He just, uh, that's, that's it. He just wants to do the same thing that I think John was doing. It's just, you know, putting out music that they believe in that, that they want, that they think should be heard. And, uh, when you're making it. music, is that something you're thinking about? Are you thinking about that? This record is going to be an oh boy record and that it needs to, you know, fit that canon, needs to fit that catalog, be up to that standard. I, I try not to, um, because okay. I, you know, I don't want to put any, I think maybe at first I did, but then after getting to know Jody and Eileen and everyone at Old Boy, I realized that I didn't have to like really think of that when it comes to, you know, music, um, Mm -hmm. that they just want me to make the music that I want to make. Now I do want to, you know, always make sure that I'm representing that label as a, you know, a a person and, you know, doing them, doing right by them. Uh, Yeah. So, but musically, I mean, they've been very, open about we just want you to be 
you, you know, don't, if you don't, if you're not, if you're not making a country record, don't make a country record, make whatever you want, you know, and we're going to, we're going to support it. And um, that's what's making great. Yeah. Make good music, right? Make good. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's all they, all they really ever said. Uh, you just got back from touring Europe, right? Yeah. Yeah. How, how was that experience? What were those gigs like? How were those audiences? Amazing. Um, yeah. I had to stop the show in uh, Stockholm, Sweden, because I was overwhelmed by the response of all these people singing along. And I had to Very stop. Cool. And um, I'm like, wait, I was like, do you guys know how crazy this is for me? I was like, you, don't, you guys don't even, English isn't your first language. I was, mm-hmm. I was like, and you are singing every word back to me. I was like, and then just thanking them. And the reception over there in every city, I mean, in, or in every stop, every country. I think we did eight countries in like two and a half, three weeks. Wow. Um, that's so that's we were, a hustle. So we were all, I mean, we were on planes, trains. I mean, we were mm-hmm. always on the move. But um, I mean, the reception to this, to the music over there is just, it, it was very, you know, it, it was even more than what I hoped it would be. Like I figured it would be a, you know, a good, Mm-hmm. a good thing you know i'd seen people commenting from you know europe about going to these shows but i mean the the people are just so into it and i think some of the i think some american audiences could learn a little about really watching and listening we take it for granted and, yeah you know, that's it they're they're that, so excited it. that you made the trek over there and 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 yep. put in the effort to go all the way over to sweden or yeah whatever it I, is. I think that is right i mean i think over here we just i mean we've gotten so used to having it you know, every weekend something. Yeah, you whoever's know, coming but, through the first, who's ever coming through first half tonight, I'm gonna go check yeah, them out. Yeah, you know, 100%. it's gonna be somebody every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like over there, people who were like coming up and thanking us for coming coming over. I mean, it was just it was very authentic and it was very uh, it, it, it was cool, man. It was one, it, it was maybe the uh, the coolest little experience I've ever uh, I've ever had. And I'm glad that uh. I'm glad I got to go. I can't wait to go back. And it's just, uh, it's, it's something. It's just good to see people into music that much and that, that into it. I mean, it was, it was something almost hard to explain. Satisfying. Like, uh, and, and and reassuring, you know, or whatever that, I don't know if that's the right word, but just that, like what it definitely makes it, you know, solidifies that what you're doing is right and touching people and connecting with people all around. Yeah. I mean, because there's, I mean, there's shows still here that I'll, I'll play. And, you know, I'm doing well over here. I'm doing all right. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, there's still shows over here that I'll play that I'm, I question why certain people have came if they just want to stand up front and like talk. Like, and I get talk. it. You're gonna talk at shows. Like, but I mean, go go to the bar or something. You know, yeah, like don't. Yeah. I mean, you you would I, I would be afraid to talk at one of these shows like if you're going to get so quiet they just want to hear the, the there's a show going etiquette yeah yeah and it is like i mean yeah and it, it happened in london i think when kelsey or, or or it was emily emily was playing and someone was just kind of chatting a little and then people are giving them the shh and i'm like oh my <laughs> lord i was like that would have been fine over over here like that wouldn't mm-hmm. bother me but it was just, it was cool to see they really come out it's an experience and they have it more on like a, a timeline. Like it starts at seven has to end by like 11. It's an uh-huh. experience. It's like, you're going to see a movie or something like it's, right. it's, it's an actual experience. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with my friends tonight at the show. Like it, it's, it was different. It was cool to see for sure. That's how it's, it sounds cool. I'm glad you had that experience. That's a, yeah, me too. That's great. I, I think, I think I needed it as well. So it was good. You've got another cool experience coming up too. You're going to sing the national anthem for the Reds, right? Dude, yeah. I don't get nervous. So about are you are you are you a Reds fan? Like, I mean, I, I assume I'm. I don't want to assume, right? But uh, I got a Reds tattoo there. All right. Okay. So, there you yeah, go. I'm there. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a I'm a Cubs fan, so uh, Cubs. Cub uh, yeah, the Cubs are always the second favorite team in the house. Yeah. My dad was always yeah. a Cubs okay. fan. As All well, right. Um, All right. So well, we, I like your dad. <laughs> yeah, we, we had we had a uh, we had WGN uh, yes. growing up. So in the morning, I'd watch Bozo, and at night, I'd watch. Yep. <laughs> and at night, I'd watch. You know, I'd watch a Cubs game. So we had access. Same here, Cubs. man. I used so, to get dropped uh, off at my grandpa's house and sit on his lap and watch the the day but games in the afternoon. Yeah, man. right. That's yeah, the, yeah. So we we those were the two teams that we would have here to watch. But yet, I haven't been like I don't know if it's like nerves. 
Sorry, sorry, so much. All good, okay. All right, um, yeah, I don't know if it's, um, yeah, if it's nerves or what it is, but that's one song you can't mess up. So, uh, everybody knows it. (laughs) Yeah, everyone knows it. So, yeah, I'm trying. I'm gonna try to gonna try to do it. Yeah, that's coming up soon. Uh, and you've got a bunch of other shows coming up. You're touring through pretty much through September, starting in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it starts, um, or next week, maybe, right? Yeah. Ne- next week's CD release show. And then, uh, after that, it's, uh, I think we have a little time off, but then, man, it's back out to it. You know, this, the rest of this year is going to be pretty, pretty hectic. I but, think uh, I saw your plan, my hometown of Peoria, Illinois. Twice. Yes. Yeah. You got two gigs there coming up. You're playing in West Peoria and then at the, at the blues fest on, on over Labor Day. Yeah, uh, Peoria's a, 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 always been a good a good spot to us. So my good buddy Jason Miles lives up there. And, uh, Shout out P Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, yeah. I always have a good time there. That's always. that's where I grew up, man. That's my hometown. Really? Yeah, it's it's yeah. nice to see that they've been getting some more bands coming through, and there's a few more venues there, and that that yeah. weren't there when I was a kid, really. And it's, okay. it's right. cool to see that, like the Kenny's Westside Pub, and yeah, there's, there's, there's a, a handful of different places that have popped up recently that are that Kenny really, spot, man. That Kenny yeah. spot. That's a fun. That's a fun place to play. <laughs> that's yeah. a you know what you're getting when you go there, man. It's a fun, it's a fun one. Definitely. Definitely. Well, yeah. the other thing I wanted to mention is you, you know, you've done, you've done work with uh, hope in the Hills healing yeah. Appalachia, the, the festivals coming up. Um, I just, you know, I, I want to commend you on the work you're doing there. And I just wanted to make sure to give it a shout out and, and uh, yeah, that's a cool thing. They got the cool thing they got going on there. I'm looking forward to that one too, man. It's a, um, I've, I've played it. I've played it once. And, okay. um, and we were supposed to do it again, but I think it got canceled. They did it the year before, but, um, the year before that I played it, but it's a, it's a cool thing that, um, you know, that, uh, everyone put together Tyler and, uh, and Ian, uh, the whole team kind of all put together. It's just, a it's a cool spot. It gives a, uh, yeah, it's a place just to open up dialogue about that stuff, you yes. know, stuff that people don't yes. really want to talk about. And they have a lot of like information on that stuff, man, for people, wanting to get help wanting to you know change uh you know and it's it's a good it's a good thing and it's a cause that i could uh, you know definitely get get behind you know it's um because i think that's the one thing with that stuff is you know you get you have to start the you have to start the dialogue of uh of realizing it's an issue first and you know that people aren't choosing you know, mm-hmm. to go and go and do this you know and that's the one thing i think a lot of people you know speak negatively on you know it speak negatively in a in a negative way about drug addiction. Of course, it is negative and all that, but or addiction in general. But you know, these people, you know, no one's choosing to be a uh, you know, no one's choosing to wake up every day and needing something to get them going. That's not where anyone thought it was going to lead them. Right. And uh, yeah, it's just a problem, especially with like the opiates and you know, and then with the heroin and stuff. It's just got real bad in this area and down in the West Virginia. So I think it's a much needed concert it's much need a cause and uh it's one that i uh that i happily support well i think it's really cool i think the live stream you guys did was really cool and i, I, I like i said i commend you on it and i think it is it's important and it's needed and what you guys are doing is helping people and that's that's a, a really good thing yeah thanks man yeah well thank you for your time today i appreciate Dude. it yeah thank you sorry this about has been little, a lot of fun no yeah, worries. sorry about the little mess up at the beginning, but yeah, I no was worries. right. On yeah, we'll, I was on my we'll way home, a, and I was like, "Man, I don't, I don't want to be late." I was like, "So let me pull over." And it's that <laughs> so, yeah. again, it's that Midwestern sensibility, yeah. right? Exactly. Gotta, can't be late. Got to be can't here five be late. minutes earlier, or else you're late. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. cheers, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time, and I yeah. re- like I, I really do love the record, man. It's a, thank it's you really so much, fantastic, man. and what you're doing is good stuff. And I hope it, you, you continue to have the success that you've earned. Thank you, man. I appreciate that tons, man. And uh, yeah, good luck with the podcast, everything. And uh, cheers. cheers to you, man. We'll talk soon. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll see you in Peoria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on out. It'll be a good one. All right, man. Take care. All right, buddy. See you see now. You,
that's it for this episode of the Jam Based Podcast. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. Thanks also to Arlo McKinley for taking the time to talk with me. Be sure to check out his new album, This Mess We're In, which is out now on Oh Boy Records. Thanks to Jake Alexander for helping put the episode together. We'll be back next week with another fun interview. In the meantime, be safe out there and go see live music. <laughs>